Christ is the fellowship of believers, of those that are followers of Jesus, that there is a higher way that we can live. And we do not need to be dominated by the spirit of fear. Amen? Amen. So we're going to go after it today. We're, one of the reasons that we're pulling out this particular subject is because the book of 1 John 4.18 tells us that there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he whose fears has not been made perfect in love. And I don't believe that God has designed for any of us to live that way. To live under that chronic sense of torment and fear. And so each week we're going to go after a different element of this. Um, we've got a great graphic for this. Is it up there already? That's, today we're talking about facing anxiety. Can you back it up just a second? If we, yeah, there it is. Love that graphic. We're going to go after it, church. And here's the topics that we're going to be talking about over the next seven weeks. We're going to talk today about facing anxiety. Next week we're going to talk about facing failure, the fear of your past failures. Then we're going to talk about, or facing failure, the fear of failure moving forward as well. Then we're going to talk about facing insecurity. Then we're going to talk about facing chaos, facing finances, and then facing your past and facing your future. It's going to be an amazing series. I can't wait to dive into this. And so without any further ado, let's do that. Because this morning, we get to talk about facing anxiety. Somebody say facing anxiety. Facing anxiety. And each week, likely, we're going to read some very similar scriptures. How we're going to approach this today, this is a massive topic. Ironically, I got a lot of anxiety about approaching the subject of facing anxiety. Right, Because this is a massive subject that I know many of us deal with and have faced in our lives. Um, the statistics tell us right now that Stats Canada in, two, in uh, 2021, in the spring of 2021, did a, did a survey and they found that one in four Canadians deal with an anxiety disorder of some sort. That was up from just six months earlier where they found it was only one in five. So this last season that we've come through has created an, a growth, you could say, of anxiety in the world around us. And church, how do we face that as followers of Jesus? And so here's how we're going to approach this today. We're going to read two scriptures that you're going to say, how is that a, it connected to anxiety? We're going to come back around to them later on. Then I'm going to pray. Then we're going to talk to you a little bit about the subject of anxiety and how we're going to approach this. We're actually going to read a story from the Bible that's going to lead us and guide us through this topic today. Okay. And then when we're done, man, I believe that today God is here, and I believe that he can set you free. I believe that you can start on a path towards victory and freedom if you today are here and you are suffering with anxiety. Amen? So our first scripture is this one. I've already quoted it to you because I'm so excited about it. The classic 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. My daughters have this memorized, and it is this, that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Somebody say sound mind. Sound mind. Come on. And number two, Philippians 4, 6 through 9. And this is what it says. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. 
Come on, church, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word, that it's living and active, that it's sharper than a two-edged sword. Father, it divides between the soul and the spirit, discerning to the intents of the heart. And Father, this morning, Lord God, we pray that your word would go forth and it would accomplish what it is set out to do. Father God, I pray that you would help me as your communicator this morning to speak well and clearly and concisely and quickly, Lord God, the things that you have for me to say, Lord God. I get out of the way and I say, God, you come and have your way and do whatever you want to do in this place. In Jesus' name and everybody said amen amen well as we approach the subject of anxiety one thing that we have to understand is that the subject of anxiety is not necessarily always a negative thing anxiety is something that we as human beings uh, often have as a part of our humanity it's hardwired into us it's that moment before you're about to go bungee jumping and you're staring over the edge And all of your senses are heightened. And you're aware that there is the the possibility, the very real possibility, of a threat that could take you out. Anxiety is the, 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 the heightening of, your, of your, uh, your faculties so that you're able to withstand or you're able to fight or you're able to fly away from danger or perceived danger that's coming your way. Psychology Today defines it this way. Anxiety is both a mental and physical state of negative expectation. Mentally, it is characterized by increased arousal and apprehension, tortured into distressing worry, and physically by unpleasant activation of multiple body systems, all to facilitate response to an unknown danger, whether whether real or imagined. So anxiety that God has given us is not necessarily a negative thing. It can actually help us to overcome potential adversity or dangers or threats that might come our way. If you're being attacked by a lion, your anxiety is going to be high. If you're about to get into a car accident, or you think, or your wife thinks, you're about to get into a car accident, anxiety could be high. Anybody else have that problem? Matt, Matt, did you see that car? Yes, honey, I saw that car. Ah!" You know, anxiety can be high. Anxiety is not necessarily a negative thing, but where we have a problem with anxiety today and in our lives is when this becomes a chronic issue. When this becomes something that, like any good thing, is taken to an extreme. And it's something that we can't turn off or put away. Like I mentioned to you earlier, StatsCan found that during the pandemic, at least in 2021, of the people they surveyed, one in every four was wrestling with an anxiety disorder. Church, that means that even in the building today, we have to acknowledge that it's likely that even here, there could be at least 25% of us that are struggling with some form of an anxiety disorder. Where the anxiety just won't shut down. The anxiety just won't go away. And this feeling of dread that you carry... According to Psychology Today, anxiety is now the leading mental health problem around the world. And the incidence of anxiety is still rising, especially among youth. Increasing numbers of children and adolescents are being diagnosed with the disorder. So what is going on? How come we're dealing with this and we're stressed out and we're feeling this? Could it be that we live in a time and in a place where we are overstimulated? We have information that's coming to us from so many different angles We're receiving good news and bad news at a rapid pace that we've never seen before in history. We can open our phones and we can find out updates to the minute of what is happening in Ukraine right now. Maybe the coronavirus, what's happening with that. 
It, it increases our response and it increases that sense of anxiety. Psychology today says that the real cause of anxiety is being human with the capacity to imagine a future. It finds fertile ground in uncertainty, and there's much uncertainty in the world these days. So, that's the bad news. But what do we do about that, church? How do we approach that? I apologize for starting out so intensely, but this is an intense subject. So how do we approach this? Well, how we're going to approach this today is we're going to read a story from the Bible. We're going to look at somebody who I believe experienced massive anxiety. And in the Word of God, we're going to find some answers today. Church, are you with me and are you ready? Okay, so here's where we're going to go. We're going to go to 1 Kings. One of my favorite characters in the Bible, 1 Kings chapter 19. And this is the story of a man named Elijah. Man, I remember when I was a kid, my parents, I grew up in a pastor's home, and I remember my parents got me this, this comic book with Elijah in it, and I would reread this comic book over and over again. I thought, man, this guy is bad. I mean, this guy is really, really cool. Elijah was a prophet of God. And he was a prophet during a time where there was a king that was an evil king by the name of Ahab who had a very evil wife by the name of Jezebel. We're going to jump in on the story here in chapter 19, starting in verse 1. But I'm going to give you a little bit of a background because it's important to set this up to understand how this applies to anxiety. So here is Elijah, and he is the man of God, and he is in a, in a society that has turned themselves over to another god by the name of Baal. Their leader, Jezebel, who had married into uh, the tribe, had come in and she had brought her gods with her. And, and she had made it the, 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 the primary God in Israel at the time. And so Elijah comes, and he, uh, what had just happened is he comes, and he, um, he, he, he stands up against this God. And he calls everybody up to this mountain, and he says, we're all going to go up to this mountain, and God's going to prove to you who he is. He says, I want all you prophets of Baal, all you priests of Baal, I want you to set up a, a, a sacrifice, and I want you to put a bull on that, you're going to kill the bull and you're going to leave it there. And then I'm going to do the same thing over here. And the God that answers by fire, he is the true God. And so he goes, you guys go first. And the prophets of Baal all gather together and start doing their chant and start dancing. And they're kind of like, yeah, oh, Baal, you're so wonderful. Oh, I think you're so good. La, 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 la. No, you're not. You just need to set us fire, set us fire. And then they, they just start working themselves up into a frenzy. And nothing happens. So Elijah comes along. He says, listen, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get a bunch of water. So I want you to dig a trench around mine. I'm going to show how good our God is. I'm going to dig a trench around our sacrifice. And then I want you to get some bales, some, some buckets of water, and we're going to dump it all over the sacrifice. And then we're going to leave a trench around there with water in it. Because the God that answers by fire is the true God. And Elijah stands up, and he prays a really simple prayer to God, calling on the name of the Lord. Show these people who you are. And God replies with fire and consumes the sacrifice. So you can imagine. And he says, look, he's the true God. Now get those guys. And they go and they kill all the prophets of Baal that are there. So he's flying high. Well, here's another thing that's going on at the same time. 
There has been a drought in Israel for three years. I, uh, Elijah prophesied it, and it has not rained. And so he goes to the top of the mountain. The Bible tells us he gets down, and he starts to pray. And he looks up, and he sees a cloud the size of a man's fist. And he says, okay, listen, there's rain coming. we got to go. Now, he's so high on adrenaline at this point. He's so uh, fired up at this point that the Bible tells us that he turns, pulls up his garments, and he outruns a chariot. Come on, that's the flash before the flash existed. He makes it all the way back, uh, and, and he beats out the chariot. He beats the chariot back to the castle, to the palace. And so then as he gets there, as he's running, the rains start. Three years later. So think about this. He proves once and for all that his God is the true God. He has rain come that hasn't come in three years. And he outruns a chariot. This guy is, woo! Yeah! Come on, it's like, uh, okay, you won the Stanley Cup, you won the lottery, and you're flying to Hawaii tomorrow. And there's a steak dinner waiting for you on the plane. That's the icing on the cake. Proverbial cake. Right? Like, it's just like the best day ever. You, you know those days? Like, the best day ever. And he's flying high. And this is where we pick up the story. Starting in 1 Kings 19, 1 and 2. So when Ahab got home, the king, he told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. She said this, May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. So there's the high. There's the victory. And then right after the victory comes the attack. And I want you to pay attention to how insidious this attack is. Because if Jezebel had wanted to kill Elijah... If she could get a, a messenger over to him to give him a message, then she surely could have sent an assassin. But there's something more going on here. See, Elijah had just discredited, her, discredited every part of her life and every part of her belief system in that one moment. And so what Jezebel actually wanted to do was discredit her and discredit her God. I mean, his God. Discredit Elijah, discredit his God. He was going after him. And I believe that there is an enemy. The Bible tells us that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And I believe what the enemy wants to do to you in the area of anxiety is discredit you and discredit your God. He's going to come after you. I also want you to notice that this actually happened immediately after probably one of the highest moments in Elijah's life. See, oftentimes where anxiety will attack us is not when we're in the high moments or when we're in the high capacity. Oftentimes we can be doing just fine. Everything is going good and we're just pushing through in life. We're, we're doing the job. We're doing the things that, that we need to do every single day. We're, 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 we're loving our family. We're doing all these things. But when we have that down moment is often when the attack will come. See, we can, we can act at a high level for only so long, but we were designed to rest which is one of our values. We were designed to be able to come down from that. But when you act at a level that's this high for too long, then those uh, adrenal glands and cortisone can be left open in your life and can deplete and lead to anxiety. Because the battle here 
is being fought, and it's being fought in your mind. So she gets this message to Elijah. This is her plan. And how does he respond? See, she attacks him with a what if or a could be and not a real thing. That's the other thing about anxiety is it doesn't attack you necessarily with what is reality, but it attacks you with something that could be or that may be. What if this is going to happen? What about this? And your mind starts to roll, starts to play tricks on you. You say, Matt, how do you know that? Because it happens to me. Because it happens to me as well. And your mind starts to say, oh man, you know, you didn't really preach that good. Oh man, you know what, Matt? For me, it's like you, you, didn't, you didn't say that well to that person and now they're offended. You didn't, you know, it just starts to what if. What if. Could be. I might kill you, I might not. Could be. It starts to mess with him. You know what happens when you start to get an aroused anxiety in your life? You either stay and fight or you run. And what Elijah chose to do was run. So let's pick it up here. First First Kings 19, 3 to 4. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. And then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. And he sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. The fight-or-flight response, which we talked about, is an automatic psychological reaction to an event that is perceived as stressful or frightening. The perception of threat activates the sympathetic nerve system and triggers an acute stress response that prepares the body to fight or to flee. From psychologytools.com. So he runs and hides and starts to believe that he's no good. Think about that. He just, like, proved that God was God. He just saw rain come back into the land. He just outran a chariot for Pete's sake, and now he's ready to die. 1 Kings 19, 5 and 8. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he slept, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came and touched him and said, get up and eat some more food, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food that God gave him gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Okay, so I want you to keep that in your brain, okay, guys? Because we're going to loop back around to that in just a few moments. Okay, so keep that in your brain. So, but I'll give you one little hint, one little, little preview about where we're going with this. Notice this, that the encounter with the angel of the Lord gave him strength to keep going on a journey. Can I just say this to you? Often the way through anxiety is through anxiety and not back. We've got to move forward. We've we got to move forward. We're going to come back to that. Just hang in there. First Kings 19, 9 through 14. And then there came, he came to a cave when he got to the Mount Sinai where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, God, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. They've torn down their altars. They've killed every one of your prophets, and I'm the only one who's left. And now they're trying to kill me too. (laughs) 
And the Lord says to him, go stand out before me on the mountain. So he does. And the Bible tells us there's a windstorm that comes by, but God wasn't in the windstorm. I'm just going to paraphrase this in the interest of time. There's an earthquake, but God's not in the earthquake. And then there's a fire, but there's, he's not in the fire. But then there's the sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And the voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? So he's just experienced all these amazing experiences. You know, he's just been out, he's gone out, he's experienced all these amazing things, and then God asks him the same question. Now, how does he respond? I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, killed every one of your prophets, and I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Comes back around it. Notice this. Elijah's response to God's question is exactly the same each time. This seems to point to an obsessive thought, an internal narrative that Elijah can't seem to escape from, even after having a life-changing experience. Oftentimes, the way that anxiety will attack me is it'll come in the form of thoughts that I just can't seem to get past. Thoughts that just come and they just keep repeating themselves over and over and over again in my mind. And I'll have to like fight through. And, and, and this is it. In order to find the victory, the lie needs to be exposed and addressed. Why is that? Because every area of bondage in your life is connected to a lie. Okay, you guys ready? Now we're going to find out how God responded to this. Because the lie that Elijah is buying into is that he has tried everything, but it's useless. And also, here's the other part of the lie. I'm all alone. I'm all alone. About 10 years ago, I experienced a really dark season in my life. I had these thoughts that would just come unbidden, and they would attack me, and they would stick in my mind, and I couldn't seem to break free from them. It was terrifying. I had two small children at the time, a beautiful wife. Um, I was serving at a church. I was the intern director at the time at a church, and, and we were in our dream job. Everything seemed like it was going great until it wasn't. I remember lying in bed in the morning and I'd wake up and my first thought would be, I hope this is a good day. I think this feels like a good day. And then I would get out of bed and the minute my foot would hit the ground, I can remember thinking, oh no, here it comes again. I didn't know how I was going to break free. I remember what we would do is we would take our kids when we had a day off, and we'd take them because we didn't have a lot of money. So we would go to chapters. And back in those days, chapters had this little kids' play area that you could take your kids to, and you could, like, get some coffee, and you could just let your kids go play there. So that was, like, our date day. So we would get our kids. We'd, we'd drive up to chapters. We'd drop them off there. You know, not drop them off. We'd be sitting there, and they'd be playing. We'd say, yeah, kids, you're fine. We'd walk away. No, we wouldn't do that. Um, we'd watch them playing. And I remember what I would always do is right beside the kids' section was the psychology and self-help section. And I know God, and I've served him my whole life. But I would walk towards the psychology and self-help section, and I'd be looking through all these books. Why? Because I was trying to figure out what was going on inside of me, and because I wanted to know that I wasn't alone. One of the lies of the enemy, if you are here today and you are struggling with an anxiety disorder, one of the lies is this, you are all alone. Nobody else knows what you're going through. I'm here to tell you the truth today. You are not alone. You are not alone. 
He is here. And there are people that are here that can walk you through these things. So then the Lord says to him in 1 Kings 19, 15 and 18, he says, go back the same way you came. Travel to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive there, anoint Haziel, the king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, the grandson of Nimshi, to be king over Israel. And anoint Elijah, the son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Meholah, to replace you as my prophet. And anyone who escapes from Haziel will be killed by Jehu. And those who escape from Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Oh, and by the way, I've preserved 7,000 others in Jerusalem who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. God goes right at it, and he addresses the lie. See, you're in this little box, you're in this little moment, you just feel like this is all it is, this is all I'm going to know, this is all I'm going to see, but God knows you. God sees you, and God already has a plan of how he's going to bring about his desire in the world around you. Amen? So here we go, I'm going to give you five things that God did to help Elijah overcome his fear. Five things, we're going to go quick. So you guys with me? Okay, here we go, here's the first thing he does. God calls Elijah forward to encounter him. Now we're going back again. Remember I told you we're going to loop back around to that part? So Elijah has fleed from Jezebel. He's run into the wilderness. He's under the tree. He's ready to die. And the angel of the Lord comes and feeds him. And then puts him back to sleep. And then feeds him. And he goes back to sleep. And then feeds him. And then he goes. And the angel says this to him. He says, um, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food God gave him was enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. I find it interesting that God didn't say, okay, now you got your food, now you got some sleep, you you better buttercup. Okay, get up, come on, I'm with you, go face that Jezebel. God didn't call him to that. God said, get up. And go, I've got a journey for you to go on. And so Elijah got up and he went. And what did he do? Before God could lead him to his freedom, he had to bring him to himself. The first step on that journey to freedom is to come to Jesus. Is to come to him. And here's what I love about this passage. Do you know how long it took Elijah to get to Mount Sinai? The Bible tells us he had to walk 40 days through a wilderness. I want to encourage you this morning. If you say, man, I've been going hard. I've been trying to pursue Jesus. I've been fighting this thing, and I just can't seem to break free from it. Listen, sometimes it might take you 40 days. Sometimes it might take you some time to get from where you are now to where God is bringing you to. But you got to get up, and you need to keep going because there's an encounter waiting for you. Don't give up. Come on, don't give up. Keep going. Keep pursuing him. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, For the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. God led him to himself first, and then he sent him back the way that he had come. Before he could face his fear, he had to bring his fears to the Lord. Don't give up. I found it so awesome that Pastor Mike referenced a passage that actually came to me last night just randomly, and I had to write it down here. It says in Hosea 6, 1 through 3, Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, and now he will heal us. He has injured us. Now he will bandage our wounds. In just a short time, he will restore us so that we may live in his presence. Oh, that we might know the Lord. Let us press on to know him. He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of dawn or the coming of rains in the early spring. Don't give up. Don't give up. 
Don't stop coming to church. Don't stop pursuing him. Don't stop reading your Bible. Don't stop surrounding yourself with others that can encourage you. Don't give up. Because the journey is forward. And there's an encounter that's waiting for you. And when that encounter comes, there's going to be some freedom. Get ready for it. Get ready for it. Number two, here's the second thing that God did. God modeled and coached him into physical rhythms. Check this out. This blew my mind. So, so here is Elijah, right? And he's in the desert, and he's like ready to die. And the Bible tells us that he goes to sleep. That's an often a very uh, um, common response to intense anxiety is to sleep. And so he goes to sleep. And the Bible tells us that an angel comes intentionally and wakes him up. Get up, man of God. And he gives him some good food. Fills him up. And then he goes, now go! No, he doesn't. He's like, he just backs off. And guess what? Elijah goes back to sleep. And then he shakes him again, and he wakes him up, and he gives him some more good food. This is this idea of a rhythm of rest and renewal. This is the idea of establishing rhythms in your life, and it's a godly thing. There was a a very famous quote um, from a speech that was given back to the uh, University of Texas, their commencement speech, and there was an admiral that was speaking to these students, and he told them this, if you want to change the world, start off by making your bed. Can we just get really practical here? Like, we've been really spiritual and all that. No, no, but this is actually just really, really practical. A really easy way to start to fight against anxiety in your life is to set rhythms and habits in your life that become the things that you do every day. Get up at a certain time. Set your alarm. I'm not used to doing that. Just do it. Set an alarm. Get up. Make your bed. Why? Because there's some order that happens in that. There's something that impacts you psychologically. Set aside some time to spend time in the presence of God. Read your Bible. I'm going to read one chapter a day. Maybe, you know, whenever I do this, you know, I'd set these things in my life, I'd always go, man, I'm going to read a book of the Bible every day. And then you know what happens, right? Like, it doesn't last. So just, just set an easy, set a goal, set a target. I'm going to read a chapter. I'm going to get through this. Set up some time to walk or work out. Rhythms and habits in your life. I love how God did that. I wonder if that was grace for us today. The next thing, in that same passage, what happened? God fed him. And here's my question for you today is what are you allowing to feed your spirit? What are you putting into yourself? That passage that we read right at the very beginning could seem so overwhelming where it says, be anxious for nothing, but in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. But then it goes on, so much grace here. And it says, listen, this is what you need to do. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue or anything praiseworthy, think about these things. So what are you putting into yourself? You know, I I heard um, somebody talking in a podcast about, um, he was talking to his mom, and she was like, okay, honey, I just wanted to call you because, um, you know, we're all going to die in a nuclear holocaust probably by tomorrow. And the guy goes, what are you doing, mom? And she's like, what are you watching? She's like, oh, I've got CNN all the time, and I know what's going on. Come on, you don't need constantly negative news, right? You don't need, you see what I did there? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) you don't need that coming into your mind all the time. you got to change what you're consuming. 
Consume the things of God. When I was going through my dark season, I can remember coming home and Tom would be like, you want to watch a movie? And I'm like, yeah, as long as it's G-rated. Because just right now in my life, I just can't handle anything else. And we just switched over and just did like Disney movies. And even those, my goodness, sometimes you need to be careful with that. I am not recommending that from the pulpit, just to be clear. But we would pick a movie that, you know, was, was uplifting. We'd watch something that would edify us and build us up. Whatever things are good, whatever things are pure, whatever things are good report. What are you putting into yourself? What kind of music are you listening to? What kind of people are you hanging around with? Fill yourself with God thoughts and God food. Okay, number four. You guys with me? Number four. The next thing that happened is Elijah continues on. And he goes back into the cave, and then we, we saw that, that mental narrative, that loop that goes on in his mind. And then and God deals with that, but here's how he deals with it. In, in, in chapter 19, verse 15, he says this, And the Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive there, anoint Haziel to be king of Aram, anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel, anoint Elijah, son of Seishaphat, from the town of uh, Abemaholah, to replace you as my prophet. That's not bad, right? Anyone who escapes from Haziel will be killed by Jehu, and those who escape from Jehu will be killed by Elijah. So what did he do? God gave him purpose and then set him in community. So here's what he's doing. He's sitting here going, I'm all alone. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I'm just going to go eat some worms. And God's like, get up. You think you're alone. I want, I got a purpose for you. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. The one that is coming against you to destroy you, I'm actually going to use people in your life to bring freedom to you from that person. I'm actually going to use people that are surrounding you that you didn't even know were there, but I've already set them up for you, some relationships that I've set up for you. So you need to get out and you need to go because I'm setting them up for you to bring freedom in your life. Come on, you need to get out. You need to get in community. Come to church. Meet some people. Be in community because there's freedom. There's life, and you don't know that they might have the key that you've been waiting for to break free. He calls him out, and he's, I love how it says this, go back the same way you came. He didn't say that in the, in the desert when he was lying there ready to die. He encountered him first, and then he says, now go back the same way you came. But you think that you're going to go in your mind, in your small mind, that it's up to you to face Jezebel and take her on by yourself, but I've already prepared others that are going to fight for you. You're not alone. You're not alone. And he brings him into community. God actually had a plan that involved community, even though Elijah felt like he had to handle it by himself. Go back the way you came and go face your fear, but don't face it alone. Face it in community. Face it in community. And here's the last one, number five. God addressed the lie and led him to the truth. Because at the very end of that, I'm all alone. Oh, by the way, I've already set aside 7,000 people that have not, not knelt to Baal. You're not alone. I've already prepared a place for you. You're not alone. I already know what you're about to go through, and I've seen it. I've written each one of your days down in a book before you lived one of them. You're not alone. I've already told you not to worry about what things are going to be coming because I'm with you, and I won't leave you or forsake you. You're not alone. Come on, you, you think that this is the end, but this is not the end because he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. You're not alone. God has a plan. God has a purpose. And God knows you and he sees you right where you are.
So how do we respond to this today, church? I'm going to invite Jasper to come up and just jump on the guitar here as we close. How do we respond to this? Well, based on what we just saw from Elijah's life, here's the first thing. Don't give up on the encounter. Man, I've tried this God thing before, and I don't know, it just didn't work for me. Man, I did the church thing, and, and I just thought it would you know, kind of solve all my problems. And man, it's just not working for me. It's, not, it's just not my thing. I want to tell you this morning, church, that there is a God. He's not just an idea or a philosophy, but he is in fact a person, and that he desires to have relationship with you. There is a God who has gone before, and our God is living, and he is active, and he is here today. And for some of you, this journey into his presence, it might be a 40-day journey. It might be a journey where you have to fight through some things to get there. But there is an encounter. And when you have that encounter, it will change your life. It will change your life. Number two, set some rhythms. What's a rhythm that you need to bring back into your life? Maybe it's making your bed. Maybe it's getting out of bed earlier in the morning. Maybe it's getting your word of God, getting the Bible out and reading your Bible. We're going to set some rhythms. Number three, feed your mind with good things. What do you need to change in what you're consuming? I mean, this can even involve the food that you eat. There's been a whole pile of studies done on that as well. What are you consuming? And finally, two things. Find your purpose and pursue community. And number five, know this. You are not alone. You are not alone. Amen. So this morning as we close, I want to pray for you. And this is how we're going to do this today. We're going to do this the old-fashioned way. We're going to do this the, the, the old-fashioned way. I want everybody to just bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Um. This is going to be a private moment, so I want everybody just to keep your eyes closed for just a moment. First of all, if you have started a journey towards God, but you have never committed your life to Him, and you say, Matt, I, I don't, I've heard about this Jesus, but I've never actually taken that step to call Him my Lord and my Savior. See, this is what the Bible tells us. It tells us that we've all sinned and fallen short of His glory. That every one of us has fallen short of the glory of God. None of us is exempt from that. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And that gift is available to you today. You say, well, man, I'm a sinner and I've fallen short of God's glory. That's like everybody else. But God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. He took the penalty for us so that today we can walk in life And for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. 
And so if that's you today, you say, man, I've never heard that message before. There's something about that that's speaking to my heart right now, and I want to respond to that, and I too want to become a follower of Jesus. If there's anybody here like that this morning, I want to give you a moment, wherever you are, just to raise up your hand right now. God is speaking to you in your heart. Is there anybody here? Always want to give opportunity. If you're at home right now, you can comment in the comments. We have prayer team standing by. Is there anybody? All right. Now this next one. If there's anybody here today who has been struggling in the area of anxiety in your life, and you say, Matt, I thought that I was all alone. Today I want to remind you that there is a God who knows you, who has written down each one of your days in a book before you lived one of them, who saw your substance being yet unformed, and he is here for you. Now I want to tell you something. I believe that that God can set you free right now. But I also believe that for some of you it might be a 40-day journey and we're going to walk with you through that. We're with you. And so if that's you today, so you say, Matt, I just need prayer in that area in my life. With every head bowed, every eye closed, it's a private moment. Please, just put up your hand wherever you are. Yeah. Come on. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. We're not going to let this thing stay in the darkness. We're going to walk in the light. Now, Church, as a sign that we're all in this together, this is what I want you to do. I want you to open your eyes. And I saw those hands. I saw the hands all over the place. I want you to stand up together. And I'm going to pray for you all right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you that your spirit brings life. God, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And Father, we pray right now in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, come and fill each heart and fill each mind, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray for freedom and breakthrough in every life, Lord God. I pray that the weight of this would be broken off of people's lives, that anxiety would be broken, Lord Jesus. And God, that you would give courage and strength and hope to those who are feeling hopeless today, Lord Jesus. Father, your word says that you've not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And I declare a sound mind upon each person in this room. I pray that we would not leave this place the same, but God, we would all be changed by your presence. Father, for surely our hope is not in ourselves, but God, our hope is in you. We respond to you, Lord, and we thank you for what you're doing and what you're about to do. And we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.